I'm glad that you're, you're all here. You made it through the New Year's and all kinds of things have happened in that little bit of time. We are uh, going into the Hebrew Scriptures, which means we're going to the Old Testament. And the last book, we're going to spend a little time there discovering what God has to say before this transition into the new. And this lays the groundwork for what God is uh, intending, and it will reveal so much of what his plan is for us. So this is this gets exciting here as we get going. But let me take you to God is at work, and this is in the uh, days with Israel, the people of God. He is trying to build his family, so he's gathering those people together. And some of them listen, some of them don't, and that's still going on. But the faithful followers, the remnant, that that part of the of the group that are listening to God, the faithful followers, those who love God uh, and are not overwhelmed by hardship, physical ailments, drama, deprivations, or distractions even of, of wealth and health. And those things can be just as devastating as as difficulties, how they desire the Lord above all. And we see it in these scriptures. So think of the things of of work, of home, of economy, of uh, things that can just go upside down. Your plans uh, turn inside out. And hear these words of the Lord from scripture. Habakkuk chapter 3, even though the fig trees have no blossoms and they are, there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. What about your body? The material, physical body that you live in. Well, obviously, that's an out. That's not how they see it. From Psalm 73, Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail and my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. That's the remnant. Those are the followers of the living God who trust him, who believe in him, who hold on to him. Those love God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. So what are the others? That's where we find ourselves. And this blinded to God's love. So we're going to hit that uh, portion here is get into the messenger, uh, the book of Malachi. Let me hit you with this first. The lost inheritance. So just wrap your head around this. This is actually a story from H.G. Wells in 1895. And he, and he tells the story of this uncle uh, who at the time of, of this happens, he inherits like today and t- today's money Four and a half million dollars. And he's 37 years old. So he's got some cash. And he's going to live pretty well. And he is 
dedicating himself to writing some books. So he's going to use the rest of his life to write, and he is excited about that. So he, he starts writing. He's a, he's a bit eccentric, and nobody really wants to read his writings. He just, uh, he just likes to write. So he's writing a bunch of these. And when he gets older, he's near the end of his life, and he has a, a nephew who uh, seems to be devoted to him. And his real interest is there might be some money in this deal if I hang around and, and really you know act like I'm in, I am into his writings. So the uncle gives him some books toward the end of his life, and he says, hey, take this, and, and one in particular, and he said, this is my last word, and I want you to read that. So he hands all that to him, and a little bit later, you know, he's laying in his bedchamber, and he's on his last legs, and, and he asks, the nephew comes in, and he, he asks him, did, did you read that? Oh, yeah, you yeah, know, that was just fascinating. That was great. Of course, he didn't touch any of it, none of those books. So the man dies. And uh, now the issue becomes who inherits the fortune? And with the uncle's death, there was a search for the will, and they couldn't find one. Eventually, uh, uh, some paper was found, attorney was found, and, and he had a copy of something that gave the money to a another nephew or distant um, relative. And so he gets the money, and he runs through it really quickly. And um, decades later, the nephew, Ted, is uh, uh, out of money. He's just barely making it, and he decides to sell some of the things that he has, including these books that he has from his uncle. When he opens that book... The one his uncle told him to read, and he said he had, out of it falls the will that gives him everything. That is the, uh, the issue for those who follow the living God. He's offering everything, and people pretend often that they're listening they pretend to maybe get favor, maybe get an access to heaven or a blessing of some sort, but without really following, without loving with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. And so we find ourselves, when we get to the book of Malachi, that there are people there. This is, you know, Israel's been around for hundreds of years at this point, and they're just blinded to the god to god's love to what he has done for them and so he begins to address them but god has something to say god has something to say malachi chapter 1 verse 1 we get this introduces the situation it introdu- it introduces that this is the lord and who he's giving this message to and he says this is the message that the lord gave to israel through the prophet Malachi. So this, when we get into this, we're, we're, we have the God of heaven. And just, man, just to take a moment to think about, there are all kinds of antennas 
receiver satellites pointed into space trying to see if there's life, trying to get a message from somewhere. We have been sending up different rockets with information about our world and our species to anybody out there who might want to read these things and discover that we're here. And they may be friendly, they may not not be, and the expectation is, wow, wouldn't that be something? There are people who say there were these ancient astronauts who who arrived, aliens who arrived on this planet, planted seeds, and humanity came from from that. The directions that we've gotten have come from these communications from out there somewhere. And they quickly passed by that from the heavens, outside of this universe, not a different galaxy, not a different planet from somewhere, not an advanced civilization, but the God of creation has spoken. And he just passed right by. First verse, right here, the Lord has something to say. And he's saying it to a human being. It says, the Lord spoke, the Lord, that word in Hebrew is Yahweh. It's the personal name, the name he gives himself when he meets with Moses in Exodus 3.14 and the burning bush. He is expressing himself and saying, this is me. I am who I am. I am God, the creator, the energy source of all things, and I am communicating. We don't have the real name of this prophet Malachi means messenger. Malak means messenger. When you add the I to the end of it, it means mind. So this is God's messenger. So this is the appointed person that he has, who may be Italian if you say Malachi. But it's Malachi, who is my messenger, representing him. So he's speaking through to and through a human being. See, that you know the, the drill when we get to this point. We're getting a message from another human being. And as we are, our, our human selves, we like the t-shirt that says, don't tell me. Do not tell me. Do not interfere with my life. You don't know anything about me. You don't know anything. Do not tell me. And it's gone well for all of us because of that. It's gone well for centuries for humanity on this planet. And God has sent his message to and through human beings. And when, when we're not so arrogant as to listen, we just might find out something about God and about ourselves and about a future that will be just so rich. So rich. And he's making it available. He's doing it again with the people of Israel. He's giving them another chance. That's what the book of Malachi is. Another chance. He's going to communicate some things. He's going to correct them on some things. He's going to direct them uh, to give them some hope. All of that is going to come out of this book. And, and it's important as we get into the New Testament to understand what he is saying here. It makes a whole lot, the New Testament say a whole lot more. So this is the message that the Lord gave to Israel through the prophet Malachi. And he begins. This is God's history of love. Verses 2 and 3. 
I have always loved you, says the Lord. I have always loved you. But, you retort, really, how have you loved us? And the Lord replies, this is how I showed my love for you. I loved your ancestor Jacob, but I rejected his brother Esau and devastated his hill country. I turned Esau's inheritance into a desert for jackals. He is giving a a comparison and contrast to the two brothers, the twins, And we have one that he chooses and one that he doesn't. And so this becomes, depending on your theological framework, by the time you get to the New Testament, you get through the 1600s in Europe and you come to our day, you may not understand even what I'm talking about there, but there's a whole line of reasoning that follows from this. Just that, that scenario, that situation. So I'll give you a heads up, and if you ever research this, hopefully you'll remember. He's talking about nations. He's talking about hundreds of years of where he was directing the people, that he had chosen a particular line. Remember in Genesis 3.15, he gives, I'm sending someone to defeat the serpent, the rebel, the one who's tearing down humanity. I'm going to send help. How does he do that? He's going to send it through a human being. Well, how do you choose to do well? He's got Noah, and he's got the sons of Noah, and then he's got thousands and millions of people born, and he's got to direct this thing through the line. And he's going to get it exactly where it needs to be to marry at a particular time in history. Of course, Mary has to be born, so we've got to wait till that happens. All of this is lined up. Why did he choose Jacob? Because that's the line. That's the line. Well, when it says hate, that's where these issues come in. He hated Esau. Well, Esau wasn't in the line. And if you look back at Esau's life and the nation of Edom, the nation that comes from his line, it rebels against God all the time. And eventually, they, they are so attacking the people of Israel that God said, that's it. You just aren't listening anymore, so I'm going to take you out. So that happens to them. He knows all of that from the get-go. But he's going with a nation. So these are two nations that he's talking about. And he says, I've, I've loved Jacob. I've loved the people of Israel, and I want my people to love me. He wants his family. He wants to put this thing together. Remember the blessing... For the rest of the nations, separated from God, all the rest of the nations are relying on Israel because it's through Israel that the Messiah will come. God is revealing himself in unique ways and keeping them for himself. So they matter, and and Jacob matters, and how this unfolds, all of that matters. And he says, this is how I showed love for you. I loved him. You go, well, you know, well, let me give you a little bit of bring it up to date. Really, how have you loved us? So, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. That's, that's a line from a little pamphlet. God loves you. And you go, really? Because my car broke down. My job sucks. Things aren't going well. I hurt. I have aches and pains. 
So tell me how he loves me. You ever put yourself in that situation? It's all about me in my situation today, in January 2023. Today, it's all about that. Look what he did when he spoke to them. He reaches back to Jacob. He's going 1,400 years backwards and says, I love you. When did Jesus go to the cross? 2,000 years ago? Is that enough love for you? Or does he have to come hold your hand while you piddle around with your sad sack life? Which is it? Has he loved you? Has he loved you? That's what he's saying. I've proven it long ago. It's not you and your little stuff or how you feel about it today. And if you pull your head out, guess what? You'd see it. You'd see his love. You'd know his love. You'd experience his love. That's what those people are talking about. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms, there's no grapes on the vines. Even though the olive Olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. See the difference? And he's dealing with people who've just blown it off. Here's this historic love proven, and he's kept them together. There are other nations who just come and go, they're still going. They're still going today. They're still going. He still loves them. And he loves us through them. That's why we have this message as well. He's doing amazing things. And he loves them. He loved them and he loves us. God opposes swaggering defiance. God opposes swaggering defiance. This is from... Malachi 1, 4 through 5. Esau's descendants in Edom may say, We have been shattered, but we will rebuild the ruins. But the Lord of heaven's armies replies, They may try to rebuild, but I will demolish them again. Their country will be known as the land of wickedness, and their people will be called the people with whom the Lord is forever angry. When you see the destruction for yourselves, you will say, Truly, the Lord's greatness reaches far beyond Israel's borders. He's going to deal with them. But he addresses them, and they know about God, but, and, and so did Esau, but they, he decided to have uh, wives who were following other gods, and he and his people went another direction. So they followed other gods. Remember... The situation we're dealing with is a world in which the gods, small g gods, have, have influence and they are leading people astray away from their relationship with the one true God. And God is trying to bring them back, build his family, and they have decided to go another direction. You know the place in Jordan called Petra, which is a big city built in the rock, and if you watch Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade, you got to see it in those scenes. That place, bless you, it 
Esau, that's, that's his place. That's Edom. That's, that's a city in, within that, that realm. And there is a, uh, they had great trade. They had a- access to different cultures coming through. They had power when Moses let Israel out of Egypt. They came to that land, and God said, "You know, don't don't attack them. Don't. But these are your brothers. You just you know kind of just go through." And so they asked permission to do that. They were told not to come through. And they rejected Israel, and they did it over and over. When Israel gets invaded by Babylon in 586 B.C., and they're being destroyed, Nebuchadnezzar's armies are all over them. Guess who next door says, you know, let's run in there and steal some stuff too. It was them. God said, (laughs) that's not going to work. So instead of defending them or helping them or being compassionate, they came in and took advantage of them, and it just keeps unfolding. So God is dealing with them and, and um, for a number of reasons. But look at that. We have been shattered, but we will rebuild the ruins. I don't know how many memes you see on Facebook if you're on Facebook, but you will often see the ones where I'm pretty much pulling myself up by my own bootstraps. I am woman. I am strong. I am, and we declare all this crap, and it is absolutely empty. Empty. These people are not riding high. They're not winning gold medals. They're just shouting out against the universe and against God who actually wants to come along and help because he loves people. Nope. We've been shattered, but we will rebuild. That's what the people in Genesis 11 said. You know, God had this plan for us, and he said, you all need to go out into the world and rebuild. This is after the flood. Rebuild. You know, I need you to spread out, populate the earth, build some great things. I've given you a planet to work with. And they said, you know what? No, no. I think we'll just get together and build our own city and do it our way which somebody did a song about. And so they got together, they built a giant mountain uh, to reach to God, a ziggurat, to get up there high. Because before paradise, the Garden of Eden was a, was a high place. It's a place where God met with people. And they said, you know what? We'll control this ourselves. We're not going to go out there. Because we've been shattered, but we will rebuild. We will build. We will show God. We will shake our fist in the face of God. And God said, you know what? I don't think so. So he scatters them, gives them different languages, and uh, we're still struggling with that. So we've got a lot of, lot of uh, God intervening in the midst of this. But here's Edom shaking their fist at God, just like People have done for centuries. And he's saying, really, this is uh, not going to work. I'm going to enter in. And he did over and over in history. And then we find ourselves more and more, uh, well, as he reveals this, more and more aware of what he's trying to accomplish and the good that he's offering and that he has a different direction for people. It's just not them doing it by their own bootstraps. It's not them with their little attitudes. 
It is him at work in a mighty way with those who will listen to him and that he loves. So here's the demonstration of goodness that comes out in general. This is Paul in Acts 14. He says, in the past, he, uh, God, in the past, God permitted all the nations to go their own ways. But he never left them without evidence of himself and his goodness. For instance, he sends you rain and good crops and gives you food and joyful hearts. He continually has demonstrated his goodness to people around the world. He has continued to show that he cares by providing food, the thing that people need. He's never left people in the nations without evidence of himself. He has proven himself over and over again, but he's permitted the nations. Now, that's all the peoples, not nations like the political maps that you look at uh, or look at a globe that we have. These are the nations. This is every people group, every ethnos. So it can be uh, language, a particular culture from a particular area. It's all the different families of humanity all over the earth. And he's allowed them to go. And remember at Babel, when the, when the gods were given, the, the divine beings were given responsibility for the people who spread out with all their different languages, God said, you go with them and you help them. And they were, their responsibility was to practice justice, to help the people function properly, rightly, and to honor God. They were supposed to worship him. They chose not to do that. And then God uh, by the time we get to Psalm 82, is saying, I'm going to judge those gods, those who were responsible to the nations, because they were supposed to bring people back to me, and they took them to for themselves and took off in another direction. So we've got to deal with that. And he says he, he will judge them. And here we have him talking about uh, God over history has allowed the nations to go. Every, Everyone gets a chance to choose if they're going to go God's way or not. The consequences if they don't, and blessings if they do, and we all have freedom to choose whichever way we want to go. And Malachi is giving us an idea in terms of the broader, the national picture of things and what God is doing, but it's also uh, the cosmic picture. So here are the nations, the people that are scattered around the world. God's trying to keep Israel on track because they're supposed to bring the blessing and follow through on their responsibility so that they can also reach the nations. But God is not left without witness. He's making himself known all the time. And as Paul has pointed out, he's given evidence of himself. He, point, he lets us know with what's happening in the heavens what's happening in the stars and the planets, how he reveals himself there. But also, he gives you rain and crops and food. And and if you've eaten recently, you've experienced it. And everyone else. You ever just gotten sour on God in your life? And though you've actually eaten that week? I mean, really think about what. Why would I turn... Why would I turn sour? Why would I have ill thoughts? Why would, when the God of heaven has actually fed me, 
this week. Yeah, huh. So what he says, everybody and every nation and every time zone for always. He's had an evidence of himself and goodness. Huh. It is a, uh, it's a thing that is frightening to think that we could be blinded to God's love, that he is revealing himself in such a powerful way, revealing himself so that we can know him better, so that we can experience him more, and just to turn our attention so inward that we miss it. Inward or to our times, to our culture, to today or what my future might be in 10 years. You go, you're not thinking big enough to have people ask you that. You know, what are, what are your plans in five years? Because we just had New Year's, you know, people think about planning. and Yeah, yeah what are you thinking? Five years, where do you see yourself? Ten years, where do you see yourself? How about 10,000? Where do you see yourself? How about 50,000? What about a million? Where do you see yourself? Now you're thinking... That's the one that matters. The other's good. It's practical. It doesn't come close. And these people missed it. They were blind to God's love. They got so self-absorbed, so caught up in themselves and in their moment. They missed it. And he had so much more. And he just sent a message. From out there in heaven, sends a message to a human being, Malachi, He's going to share that with other human beings. And many of them are just going to ignore them like they do everybody else that God sends. And then some will listen, that remnant. Be part of the remnant. Join the ones who love him with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. Memorable unforgettableness from Psalm 103. Let all that I am Praise the Lord with my whole heart. I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. Never. Never forget. Because he is still on the throne and nothing has changed that. Nothing ever will. And God sends a message to the people he loves. And he's reaching out again to say, I love you. I have always loved you. Let's thank him now. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love. Continued love from the beginning. From the time of the first rebellion, you have been reaching out, bringing people back. Thank you for including us. All these years later, thank you for including us in your plans for the future. Thank you for providing us the food we eat, the rains that come that make things grow. Thank you for revealing yourself in a multitude of ways. Thank you for the scriptures that we can turn to to learn more about you. Thank you for the evidence that is around us. Thank you for the faithful witness, the testimony, the faithful lives that have been lived. Thank you for all those who have gone before Thank you for allowing us to be here to build up and encourage one another in our walk with you. Thank you. 
that we have a future secure. And it is in your hand. And it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.